Welcome to Hydrant Online. My name is Miranda, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hydrant. And, and we have been in the midst of a sermon series called The Weary World Rejoices. It's our Advent series, and, and we have talked about what Advent really is and what it means. And, and Advent is the time leading up to Christmas. Advent is also about in-between times. You see, Advent is a season to embrace the waiting of life and to anticipate God showing up in our lives as we anticipate the celebration of Jesus coming into the world. If we're honest, and, and I have to be a little transparent here, I am really terrible at waiting. I am terrible at having patience, and, and I, I would believe that, that there's a lot of you that may be listening and tuning in that feel the same. Waiting is something that most of us are not very good at. Let's be honest. In fact, Amazon Prime two-day shipping still takes too long. We know that patience is, after all, one of the fruit of the Spirit, and so it's something that we, we need to begin to cultivate with God's help, but, but most of us are, are, are really terrible at it. You see, friends, I believe that God is inviting us into a season of new into a season of, of expectation, of anticipation, and, and what better way to dive into that than this Advent season? And for me, I believe that sometimes God inviting us into a season of new oftentimes requires us to be quiet, often requires us to be still. It, it, it often requires us to shift the focus off of ourselves and on to him. And so the way that, that, that most people do that, the way that, that, that most people do this is through uh, something called spiritual disciplines. You see, spiritual disciplines are habits, practices, and experiences that are designed to develop, grow, and strengthen certain qualities of spirit. To build the, the muscles of one's character, if you will, and expand one's inner life. I believe that in this season of, of new and anticipation and of expectation and, and of really trying to shift the focus off of ourselves, I believe there are two different ways we can do that. And both of these ways are, are spiritual disciplines. And those two ways are fasting and feasting. Now, I want you to hang on. I know that, that some of you probably are starting to tune out when I said the word fasting. Because oftentimes we think of fasting, we think of Lent. We think of another part of, of, the, of the church calendar. We think of the time leading up to Easter. But what if I told you that fasting is not just reserved for Lent? What if I told you that feasting is not just reserved for holiday seasons? You see, I believe that it is important for us to be intentional about making choices to weave habits and disciplines into our lives. And I believe that it is important to weave the, the disciplines of fasting and feasting into our lives. You know, these habits and these practices, these rhythms and these routines serve to keep the connection vital. And what do I mean by connection? Connection with the people around you, connection with your spouse, connection with your kids, connection with your friends, but, but most importantly, your connection with God. These habits and routines, these disciplines, help us to remain connected to the source. 
So fasting and feasting, right? Two complete opposites, but I believe they are capable of being deeply spiritual experiences if woven into the habits and practices of our lives over time. You see, they are what we would call uh, spiritually symmetrical. And the cool thing about fasting and feasting, or at least for me, the cool thing that I found about fasting and feasting is that in Scripture, we see both being practiced. In fact, Jesus himself practiced both. And so for me, I sit here and I look and I see Jesus practicing both feasting and fasting. And so in my head, I think, well, there must be something to it. If Jesus himself believes in in practicing fasting and feasting, well, then maybe I should. Maybe I should take a deeper dive into what these disciplines are, what they look like, and what they mean for me, and how I can weave them in and out of my life in order to keep the connection stable. So let's look at the first one, fasting. What, What is fasting? You see, I believe that fasting is one of those things that is often very misunderstood. And, and the cool thing about fasting is it's mentioned roughly 30 or so times in Scripture. So it has to be of some importance. You see, a simple definition that we can use for fasting is, is fasting is withholding food or other things from yourself for a symbolic slash intentional reason for a period of time. We see a prime example of fasting in Luke chapter 4. So if you will, take your Bible app or your Bibles or, or whatever you're using to look at Scripture and turn to Luke chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading uh, at verse 1. So Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Prime example, Jesus fasted for 40 days right? And so, so the story is of Jesus being led into the wilderness, being tempted by Satan for 40 days. And in order to dive a little deeper into this, so you may say, okay, that's an example of fasting, but what about it? So in order to understand why this is so significant, we have to jump back. We have to look back so we know where we're going. So flip your page to Luke chapter 3. We're going back one chapter. Luke chapter 3, And in order for us to understand why that fasting was so significant, we have to look at the story that that precedes it in Scripture. So at the end of Luke chapter 3, we find a genealogy of Jesus. But right before that is where I want to camp for a second. So Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. It says this, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. 
Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. I love a good fun fact. If you know me, you know I love a good fun fact. I love random, random tidbits of information. And so, fun fact, did you know that this is not the first time in Scripture that someone has fasted for 40 days? Jesus is actually the third person to do this. The first was Moses, who retreats and fasts for 40 days after God reveals himself at Mount Sinai. The second is Elijah, who retreats for 40 days and fasts after God reveals himself at Mount Carmel. And then Jesus, who retreats after being baptized. You see, it's clear that Jesus was in very good company when he retreated to fast. I think that that shows us how vital and how important the spiritual discipline of fasting really is. Now, I want you to take a look, and if you look at each of these stories, they have one major thing in common which stood out to me and, and, and really helped me to shift my perspective and my thinking on fasting. You see, fasting, fasting has always been thought of or, or something that I thought that I understood. I thought that I got fasting, right? You, you read, you pray, you give up food. Maybe you don't eat breakfast or, or you don't eat certain foods like meat or, um, you know, if you're a kid, you probably are like, I'm going to fast vegetables. I don't know. Whatever it may be, you, you know, fasting is something or you're like, I'm not going to watch TV for 40 days or whatever the case may be. I always thought that, that that's what it was, was that you just gave something up and God was going to reveal something to you. I really thought of fasting as a results-oriented discipline. But, but after reading and praying and, and getting ready for this sermon, I realized that, that I honestly didn't get fasting. I misunderstood fasting. You see, each of these guys, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, fasted after a sacred moment in their lives. Jesus fasted after his baptism. That baptism was a sacred moment. Moses fasted after God revealed himself at Mount Sinai, a sacred moment. Elijah fasted after God revealed himself at Mount Carmel, sacred moment. As I look closer at these stories, something stuck out to me. In each of these stories, none of the men fasted because they wanted an answer. I know for most of us, like I said, we tend to turn to fasting as something we do when we need an answer. <laughs> and we want to show God that we are serious, right? So there's a big decision coming up in our lives, and we want God to answer it. We want God to say, okay, here, you need to go down this path. You need to make this choice. You need to do this. You need to do that. And so what do we do? We fast. We're like, all right, God, I am so serious about this. So I'm going to fast for, for, for a week. I'm going to fast for a couple of days. I'm going to fast for 40 days until you give me a clear answer. We see it, like I said, as a results-oriented discipline. But, but what if we flipped and shifted our perspective on this discipline? What if fasting and feasting don't forget about feasting. We're meant to be more of a response to a sacred moment than about getting an answer. You see, Jesus 
Moses and Elijah fasted after a sacred moment, not to seek answers, but to respond. To respond to the sacred moment they had just experienced. Our hearts shouldn't be in a posture of receiving results. It should be in a posture of response and of process to what happened. We need to be willing and and, and open to responding and processing what God has done, where he was, and, and what he's going to do through it. Not about seeking results. So that's fasting, right? So, so the, the symmetrical to that, the spiritual symmetrical to fasting is feasting. And so feasting, a definition that we can use for that is intentional celebration because of one's commitment to Jesus. I think oftentimes we are very good at feasting. We will find any reason to celebrate with people, to go out, to have dinner, to do all of these things. But, but the, the, the caveat, the important piece of that definition is at the end. Intentional celebration, check, got it, because of one's commitment to Jesus. You see, feasting is probably the one that we don't have an issue with because, because feasting... Uh, entails celebrating and it's a joyful occasion and see the cool thing about it is yes jesus fasted but jesus also feasted and and we read about that and so we've gone we started in luke 4 we went back to luke 3 to see where we were and now we're going to take all of that and we're going to go to luke chapter 5 to see where we're going so turn with me luke chapter 5 verses 27 through 29 And so we read here about a great feast that occurs right after a sacred moment. So Luke chapter 5, verse 27, and it reads this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. You see, we read here in Luke that that Levi, or as we know him, Matthew, gets called to be a disciple. Can you just, just for a second, picture what that scene was like? Matthew is, is a tax collector, and in those days, tax collectors were not nice guys. Matthew or Levi is sitting there and he's collecting taxes and this guy walks up to him, Jesus, and just looks at him and says, follow me. And Matthew, without hesitation, without a second thought, just gets up and follows Jesus. Could you just imagine that? Like if you were friends with Matthew, if you were tax collector buddies with Matthew around there and you just saw him just get up and leave, wouldn't you have some questions? And so, and after that, Matthew throws a banquet. He throws a huge feast for Jesus. So that sacred moment for Matthew of being called to be a disciple is followed by a feast for Jesus and a large crowd of tax collectors and other people. That, to me, is just astounding. You see, Matthew took that sacred moment and he discerned 
whether it was a serious sacred moment or a grace-filled celebratory sacred moment. And he decided what to do with it. He feasted. He celebrated. He celebrated new, whether he realized it or not in that moment. He was celebrating new. So we looked at fasting. We looked at feasting. What about them? Why do we do them? You see, I believe there is a time and a place for both. We read further down in Luke chapter 5 that the Pharisees begin to question Jesus about fasting and feasting. We read where it says in verse 30, chapter 5, verse 30, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then they continue to question Jesus. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. So the Pharisees are questioning him about, about fasting, right? So, of course, in Je- I, I love this about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just give straight answers. And so in good Jesus fashion, he goes and he starts talking about weddings. He goes and he starts talking uh, uh, about something that has nothing to do with it, but really it has everything to do with it. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. You will notice that what Jesus is saying here is that there's a time to fast and there's a time to feast. You shouldn't do or practice one without practicing and doing the other. You see, they go hand in hand. And depending on the sacred moment, that decides which one you practice. That, that discernment decides which one you practice. You see, both fasting and feasting are not about us. This week, I got to practice both disciplines, and I have to say that uh, God really, really showed up. I feasted this week with co-workers, and uh, the cool thing about it is these are co-workers that I haven't really gotten the chance to know on a, on a deeper personal level. We, we really are, are co-workers, and so we talk at work, but that's really, that's really it. But I got a chance to see a different side of them. You know, we practiced all of our COVID safety precautions, and we were able to, to gather together. But God revealed and, and really showed me that the risk I took by, by leaving the job I had before to come to this new one was worth the community and the people that I now get to work alongside with every day. He showed me that the risk was worth it, that taking that leap of faith was worth it. And on the flip side, I also fasted this week. Not seeking results, but really just processing what God was doing in my life and where he was and and where I could see him and maybe areas where I couldn't see him all that clearly, just processing and, and processing the preparation of this message. And God really showed me how much emphasis I put on, on worldly things. You see, uh, during work, I am on my feet most of the day, and so I'm running around, and, and so when lunchtime comes, 
boy, I am ready to just sit down and do nothing for 30 minutes. But I realized that, that I was looking, I was so focused on those times of alone that I was beginning to miss the people around me. I was beginning to overlook the customers that would come into the store. I was beginning to overlook my coworkers who were trying to have a conversation. I was beginning to overlook the volunteers that I oversee. I was beginning to overlook everybody around me and solely focus on me. So it allowed me to slow down, redirect my focus, and it gave me clarity on, on why I was doing what I was doing and how I could go about fixing it. You see, fasting shifted my perspective. I believe that, that we've, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but, but fasting and feasting are, are, are directly related to uh, a sacred moment. So you've got a sacred moment that happens in your life, and then you should respond, whether it's through fasting or feasting. Not not entering it seeking results, although results may come. I don't want you to hear me in saying that you have to fast and feast with no results ever because that's not the case. But we don't enter fasting and feasting to seek results. We are shifting the focus off of ourselves. You see, as we spoke about earlier, it's about taking that sacred moment, determining what that moment was, was it a serious, sacred moment? Or was it a grace-filled, celebratory, sacred moment? And then we respond in likeness to it. You see, serious, sacred moments often call for fasting. And grace-filled, sacred moments often called for feasting. So with all of this being said, right? All of this great fasting, feasting, I understand now, I have, I have a little bit more clarity about it, but like, what do I do with it? What now? Well, I want to propose a question. What is God calling you to do during this Advent season, and maybe even into the new year? Is he redirecting you through a serious, sacred moment or is he directing you into something new and you, you need to fast in response to that? Or is he calling you to think about the meaningful events in the story or this past year of your life where God did amazing things and you want to celebrate that maybe over a meal? I want to add something to that, though. Making sure during that celebration that you tell the stories of God's grace and goodness throughout the year or maybe throughout your life. Feasting isn't feasting unless we are telling about the goodness of God, telling about where we've seen him in our lives, where he's done magnificent things for us, where he has saved us, where he has shown his grace, where he's shown his mercy. I invite you to do that. So what is God calling you to this Advent season and maybe thinking forward into the new year? Is God calling you to fast? Is he calling you to feast? I know that we are in this pandemic. I get that. And so things may look a little different. Feasting may look a little different. Fasting may look a little different. But I challenge you to, to sit with these 
sit with these disciplines and, and, and think and pray about what God may be calling you to do. It doesn't have to be for 40 days. Maybe God's calling you to a week of fasting. Maybe he's calling you to an evening of feasting. I don't know what it is. But, but sit with these, discern what God is doing. Look out for those sacred moments. And then determine how God is calling you to respond. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful. Thankful for the disciplines of fasting and feasting. God, you don't call us to do one without the other. And so, Lord, would you give us boldness, strength, and courage to do that? Would you give us discernment to be able to look at our sacred moment and decide whether or not you're calling us to fast or to feast? God, thank you for those sacred moments. God, would you be with us during this Advent season, during this anticipation, this expectation of the coming of your Son? God, and as we look forward to the new year, would you be with us? Would you give us an extra dose of, of your courage and your bravery to do the things you are calling us to do? Father, we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise because you deserve that, Lord, and, and so much more. So God, we say thank you and we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.